This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. What I would like for you all to do is open your Bibles to the Isaiah passage, but also open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 17. Keep your, keep your finger there, you know, so when I ask you to, you can turn to it. So we're going to go over the Isaiah passage because it is extremely relevant. He starts out with, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What we have to keep in mind here, or take notice of here, is the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Now this is Jesus who is quoting it in Luke 4, so obviously the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. But what this tells us is that all Christians should be able to say that same thing. What do we do with this anointing of the Spirit that's on us? Well, this verse tells us we're supposed to preach good tidings to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, that was the Messiah's mission, to turn our situation around and to bring joy. Now, let's flip over to the Gospel according to Luke, and back one, one more, the map. There we go. Okay, here we are. That I think we need a new controller. Um, let's see. Now, for those who need to know, or who want to know, this is Nazareth. That's the location of where the synagogue, the synagogue was that Jesus stood up to read the words from the prophet Isaiah. Now, here is what the Isaiah passage says, and let's see. Now, this is what Jesus actually reads. It says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Jesus read it up to this point, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus, using his authority, and decided to stop with to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, why did he do that? It's because in Jesus's earthly mission, his mission was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to heal people and to open the eyes of the blind and to set the captives free. His earthly mission was not to bring vengeance. So he stopped there. Now, the people, as we read in this got Luke passage, the people in that synagogue got really upset with Jesus, didn't they? I mean, they wanted to, they tried to take him out over the cliff and to throw him off the cliff. Now, why would they do that? Well, for one thing, these folks are living in Galilee, 
but they are in Israel. How many times had Israel been attacked or overrun by an enemy? A lot. I mean, we're talking, the, the, there's the Philistines, the age-old nemesis of the Jews. Then there's the Midianites, that's who Gideon delivered them from. There's the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, and the, all the other ites that you can think of. And then there's the Greeks. And then there's the Romans. So now the Jews are thinking, yeah, we want to get vengeance on all of those people. So that's why they were ticked to start with. Now, they even got more aggravated because Jesus then says, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And then he goes on to say, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. And none of them was Elijah sent, but to a widow in Zarephath. Now, Zarephath, according to that map we were just looking at, is in Sidonian territory. That's Gentile land. Now then, th there's a lot of lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet. But who do we read about in the book of 2 Kings that Elisha was to heal? Naaman, an Assyrian. Oh, and I forgot the Assyrians on those folks who had also overrun Israel as well as the Babylonians. So he talks about really aggravates the people. They decide they want to throw him off the cliff. Why? Because they have to admit then that their two greatest prophets, Elijah and Elisha, were sent to Gentiles. You know, <gasps> ooh, the horror of that. Now, Jesus' mission here is, and he is announcing that very day, that his mission not only then, but has always been and will always be to the whole world. But the Jews didn't like that. They wanted all of God's grace and all of God's mercy. And I have a very recent example of what it means and what it looks like when someone or something wants it all. On Tuesday, I went to the dog park and I was giving out the dog biscuits to the dogs. Now, that was my first mistake, but then we had this, I had this big dog who greeted me at the gate and who grabbed the biscuit and he chewed it up and then I was trying to give one to the next dog, but that first bigger dog came up there and tried to grab that one too. So then I went into the dog park, closed the gate, and then I, was ha I had a third one and I was giving it to another one, but guess what? That same first dog came over there and tried to get that one too. So what we have here is an example of what, because there was a fight that broke out. The big dog started growling and, you know, at the other dogs because he wanted them all. And that's what it looks like in human nature when we want it all. 
And if we don't get our way, don't we usually get a little aggravated and want to blame everyone else except ourselves for whatever's happening? But this is what's happening. That's why those people were so incredibly upset. They wanted all of God's grace and they wanted all of God's mercy and they wanted, didn't want to share it with anyone else, period. Now, that also, if we need another biblical example of that, that's why Jonah ran the other direction. Why? Because he didn't want to go to Nineveh and he didn't want those people to repent because he wanted God to bring vengeance on that city. And so that's what happens and that's what we look like and act like when we want what we want and we don't want to share that goodness with anyone else. So now let's go back to the Isaiah passage and verse 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. What does that mean? It means that God will give back all of those things that sin has destroyed. Sin creates victims who feel entitled to retaliate. But what happens when they do that? Well, when you retaliate, that creates more victims, and that means those people will feel justified in retaliating. And then if they retaliate, that creates more victims, and then they want to retaliate against the people who did them in. So we get a, what's called an infinite regression, I guess, or a complete repetition. The victims want to get back at the people who did them in. And I remember when I was in college, this, this relates, that there was a man on my floor who said, I don't get mad, I just get even. And so I looked at him and I said, I don't think that sounds very Christ-like. And he said, well, no, it's not. But I mean, I only do it when we're playing around on the, on the floor up here. I said, oh, okay, whatever. But that's what that attitude is. I get even. I want to get even. But God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And Paul quotes that in Romans chapter 12, because God says, leave that justice thing to me, because you don't need to get after them. You don't need to try to get even. You don't need to retaliate, because at some point, this person is going to have my justice given to them. Now, for us, we are impatient, and that's not soon enough. And we don't want to wait until the eternal regions to see if we can look down and see if that person is down there rather than up there with us. But vengeance is the Lord's dealing. But he also, in verse 8, says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. And then he goes on in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. 
for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. What does that mean? It means that once we repent of our sin, God gives us his righteousness. We're covered, but we're covered by him. It's not our goodness, it's the Lord's goodness. And all of these blessings here, it says, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Now, how does this relate to us? It means that these promises are not just for the Jews. They're for us too. These promises are for all of God's people. Because he wants to cover us with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. He wants to bless all of our work. That is, the garden causes all things that are sown in it to spring forth. He wants all of our efforts and all of our time and all of the work we put in on something to bring results. And the Lord will cause the righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. That's for us. And God... What do we know about God? He's faithful to fulfill all of his promises, right? Now, if any of you have been searching on the internet, this is an opposite illustration here. You see those, you might have come across some of those ads that say things like, uh, drink ice water before you go to bed, or baking soda in water, you drink that and it will just melt that belly fat away. Some of you haven't seen that, but you look at that and you say, yeah, right, because that illustration, those people cannot deliver on that promise. But God is faithful and he delivers on all of the promises he makes to us so we can count on him. We're, he, God is not like the fakes that put those ads on Facebook. God is faithful and he will fulfill all of his promises to us. And what that means is if we are struggling with something in life, if we think that our life looks like we've been run over by a tank, if we believe that things are going downhill, God is faithful to take care of us in those moments. He will not leave us stranded. He will fulfill his promises and will cause that righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm -hmm.